Blog Talk Radio. my friend. The opening music was by Save, vocal group from the CD Native Angels by Save. If you want to order your own copy, contact savae.org and they're also on Facebook. They do live shows and you can also listen to them for free on YouTube and they have a CD out and that's where I got mine on Amazon and uh, that's it. I really love that music. It's very unusual. Anyway, I want to wish you all a very, very, very good sacred Sunday morning. 
Um, we uh, just just uh, passed. Sorry to, to say, uh, we've lost um, our beloved uncle, father, and grandfather, Uncle Lewis Harold Simpson. May he rest in peace. We love him so much, and we ask you to keep our family in your prayers. And we had his memorial uh, Friday online, and it, it turned out very beautifully. And I want to pray, ask you to pray for my family and his son, Louis, and Marion, and their granddaughter, um, Mary, and the rest of the family. And uh, we appreciate your prayers, and God bless you for that. And I'm your host and re- friend, Reverend Sean McCain. I'd like to welcome listeners to Sacred Sunday. Sacred Sunday was created to focus on the tenets of Sunday as a special day to set aside some time for spiritual focus, meditation, and prayer. All faiths are welcome. I'm a Christian in recovery, and all Bible readings will be out of the Ryrie Study Bible. And, of course, you can use any Bible you wish. I have had many spiritual experiences and in gratitude. We have ongoing Bible readings, and we're reading our way right straight through the New Testament. And then we will start on the Old Testament, and please, God, help me do that one. Um, we'll just, we have uh, ongoing uh, just Bible readings once in a while, I read out of my book. And um, I'm just focused on being my real self and carrying the message given to me, and that's it. I don't have any acts to ground. I don't have anything to profess except that Jesus is my Savior. I believe in the Holy Spirit, baptism. I believe in God and the saints and the Virgin Mary. That's me. Anyway. For opening prayer, let's say to our Father, as we bow our heads, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you, thank you, thank you, God. And we pray for all Christians being persecuted worldwide. Their freedom to worship and lives are in jeopardy. And also, we pray for those people that have been harmed in churches and burned here in America. I just can't even believe it. Anyway, they're still still happening as we speak. And... uh, Please, God, protect us from the evildoers and those who take our lives for distorted evil reasons. And the poor people whose Christians have become martyrs and we believe they go straight to heaven. We pray for those suffering from violence here at home and abroad. We pray for those who are sick in mind and body, those who are lonely and uncomforted. Please, God, forgive us our sins. We pray for those suffering from domestic violence in their own homes. We pray for freedom from addiction of all kinds. Please, God, send your mighty Archangel Michael to fight against evil and protect us and all your angels to watch over everyone. Our prayers go all out to those who suffer in the world, including the animals who can't speak for themselves and anyone who's being perpetrated on and can't get help. We pray for intercession of the angels and God protect those. God put his arms around us and help us. We pray for the wisdom of our president. We pray for the rest of our policymakers. They have many decisions to make, and we are praying for all the countries for problems of suffering all over the world. Thank you, God. We ask Jesus to bless us and help us grow under his care. Everyone and their families are definitely in our prayers. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
And also another passing of the beloved mother of Chris Murray, our friend of many years. We pray that she finds peace and we know that her mother has and we pray for everything. Her memorial will be at the Nativity Catholic Church in Torrance Tuesday at 10 a.m. And if you're a friend, please join us there. We pray they all rest in peace. Okay, so now we have a happy birthday to everybody having a birthday today, all you birthday babies. And they include Deborah Lloyd, Renee Brown, Rich Garcia, and Don Ecker. We wish you a very happy birthday and a very prosperous prosperous year ahead. And if you'd like to wish you or yours a very special birthday, just let me know. Just Facebook me, Charlene Simpson the King. Okay, so and if you have a special prayer this morning, you may actually call in and uh, 619-924-9744 with a special prayer request. And if you, you will need your Bible, I read out of this Ryrie Study Bible because I found mine in the trash, my original one. I wore that one out, and now I'm on my second Ryrie Study Bible, which I find very easy to read. And you may also find a Bible online at www.biblegateway.com. And also my favorite, com. So as we read now, we're on the Corinthians chapter 13 today. But let's go over what we read last week. It was 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 99 problems, but a gift ain't one of them. Paul moves on to discuss the gifts. No, you're not getting a new iPad. He's talking about spiritual gifts from God. For example... How do you know the difference between people who are spiritually gifted and people who are just off the rocker? Well, Paul says, as long as we're not cursing Jesus, they're good. A pretty low bar, but we're with him so far. There are all kinds of different gifts people can have, but they all come from God. What are some of the gifts Paul recognizes? And we're glad you're asked. Wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, working miracles, prophecy, discerning spirits, and speaking in tongues and interpretation of tongues. And the next part he's talking about, the function of all of this is called like a rock that body. People have different gifts, but just so like the human body, uh, all parts, eyes, ears, feet, hands, need to work together so the body can function. You can't have a foot going off on its own or the whole thing falls apart. All Christians make up the body of Christ, and the single part is important for keeping his body healthy. Hear that, Corinthians? You're all in this together. Paul even says that sometimes the puniest, weakest parts of the body turn out to be the most important, like fingernails or toes. So to recap, we're all very special little snowflakes. If everyone could make miracles or everyone spoke in tongues, things would be a huge mess. Everyone get, everyone's gifts are needed to make things awesome. And that's just the way it is. We all get these different spiritual gifts. And one, and the, the one exalted is what actually what we're going to be talking about today. So as we get our Bibles out, we are going to go to Corinthians chapter 13. And it's a pretty short chapter, so we're going to be able to read from our guideposts. So on 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we begin. The supremacy of love over all the gifts. This is just a beautiful chapter. Okay, listen well. The supremacy of love over gifts. 13. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, 
but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all the mysteries and all the knowledge, but if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give my all my possessions to feed the poor, if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. Does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked. Does not take into action a wrong suffered. Does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. Bears all things, believes all things. Hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part. But then I will know fully, just as I also have been known fully. But now faith, hope, love, abide in these three. But the greatest of these is love. So now we know, without a doubt. Okay, so let's read the note on 13.1. The Greek word agape, the Greek word for love, is an adoration of an object, especially for love between a man and a woman, is eros. Another word. Phileo refers to the love of friendship. Agape characterizes God and what he manifests in his gift of the Son. It is more than mutual affection. It expresses unselfish esteem of the object love. God's love for us is undeserved and with, without thought of return. The love that his followers show, Paul now says, should do the same. A noisy gong along with the clanging cymbal is associated with thinking worship. And then they talk about philanthropy and martyrdom without love can be egotistical. Yeah, I can see how that can go. There's Corinthians rejoicing in evil according to uh, other chapters. But, but then he says, love will never come to an end, but gifts will, though not necessarily all at the same time. Prophecy, for example, was a gift given for the founding of the body of Christ. It says the perfect. A reference to Christ's second coming. Some understand this to refer to the completion of the canon of the scripture, but that would mean that we now see more clearly than Paul did. Let's go back and read that, the perfect, 310. It says, but when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. When the perfect comes, well, Jesus is perfect. Okay, then 313.11. There are stages of growth within the present imperfect time before Christ's return. After the church began, there was a period of immaturity during which spectacular gifts were needed for growth and authentication. With the completion of the New Testament and the growing maturity of the church, the need for such gifts disappeared. Uh, I don't agree with that note. I, I still think we need those gifts, but um, maybe not in an extreme way. I hope we have matured enough. Okay, so note 1313, abide. Since these three virtues remain after all the gifts have ceased, they should be cultivated. 
love is greatest since it expresses God in Calvary. So that's the beautiful 1 Corinthians 13. Because that says it all. So now we have a little time for a story from my favorite little spiritual book, Guidepost. So I'm going to randomly go through here and see what story is for today. So God will bless us with something nice. Here in Southern California, it's beautiful weather today, but it's already 79. I had the aforethought for the first time in my life to get an air conditioner, and we sure needed it. Okay. I guess it's about Christmas in July. Okay. So it says here, Don't Expect Anything for Christmas. It's by Myrtle Archer in Castro Valley, California. In 1934, our family was living in a ranch house in the Rockies, an eagle's short flight from Canada. As my eighth Christmas approached, the air snapped with cold, icicles hanging from the roof pierced the snowbanks. Only a door and a path towards the barns indicated where the house lay snuggled under all that snow. We ought to cut the fur by the river for a Christmas tree, Don, my 12-year-old brother said, as he unfastened his homemade wooden skis. Let's cut the one by the old barn, Veer, another brother said. It's more rounded. For months, the three eldest of seven children had studied just about every suitable tree on our wooded 250 acres. As I set a pail of snow to be melted for water on the counter in the kitchen, I heard Dad say, there'll be no presents for Christmas. Tears welled up in my eyes, as they always do when he pronounced these words. I don't believe in Christmas as it is celebrated, he said, all those presents. I knew that poverty had forced Dad and Mama to abandon gift-giving. Our Christmas be whatever we could struggle to make it. The first school day after Christmas, every pupil would bring his presents to the schoolhouse. I would have nothing to show, nor would Don, Veer, Faye, or my other school-age siblings. What would be could be of use was appealing to Dad or to Mama with a new baby to tend, meals to cook, and with little food in the pantry in the root cellar. There is no Santa Claus, Dad said as he punched a hole in a harness with his awl. It's vicious to say that Santa will reward children with presents if they've been good and punish them for nothing if they've been bad. I've been a good child, but of course, good had nothing to do with presents. It was the money that bought presents, but my desperate hope for a present felt like a sob stuck in my mouth. Still, I would enjoy our freshly cut tree and our singing around it. Um, it came upon a midnight clear and silent night and our reading aloud and our storytelling. Most of the time, turned warmly happy just thinking about it. In the nearby one-room schoolhouse, a teacher said, for our craft projects, let's make make clay presents for your parents. Carefully, I worried half of my uncle clay into a shape of four-inch vase. In spring, I could fill it with a baked vase with Johnny Jump Ups for Mama. The wild roses were brightening in the, in the summer and in the fall, last, everlasting in goldenrod. For Dad, I made a handprint ashtray, though he never smoked. Maybe he could use it for something else. Four days before Christmas, Dad, Don announced, it's time. We all followed Veer as we headed out to the East River. In summer, we caught rainbow trout here. Mink and beaver frequented its edges. Seven feet high, the fur looked glorious, and the fragrance spilled from it. And under the snow, replacing seedlings grew thick. This is the one, Don said. With chips flying, Veer brought the tree down. 
and he and Don grabbed hold of it and tugged it towards the the far-off half-plume of smoke from the house. Veer nailed the fur, already sprouting pitch from spouting pitch from its cut, onto our old wooden stand. He and Don carried it to the cold front room and stood it in the corner against the calcinite walls. It looks good, Mama balanced her baby gardener on the hip, her hip. I used to enjoy Christmas, but it seems I don't care for it any longer. Nor does your father. Gardner let out a cry, and Mama carried him back to the warmth of the kitchen. I read of cranberries being shrunk to make decorations, and we had no cranberries. I had never even seen a cranberry, though I might like our gooseberries, only red. The gooseberries were long gone and too soft. I had heard of popcorn decorations, but I'd never seen popcorn either. Our food was the deer, the grouse, the bear of the forest, the fish, whatever dad could grow from May to October. At the kitchen table, out of red and green construction paper, left over from a school project, we cut and paste rings, and we strung them together for decoration. I'd get you presents if I could, Mama, rocked the, the creaky wooden rocker and nurse gardener, but we need every penny to for the taxes on this place and for sugar, salt, and such, and we haven't had time to make presents. I nodded. Dad said, plenty of ranchers can't even pay taxes on their places without losing them. I never want to lose our ranch, I thought. After swirling around our decorations around the fur, we attached tin candle holders for more, a more abundant task to its green limbs. We had no candles, but what did that? As the days inch towards Christmas, every day, Dad repeated the words, don't expect anything for Christmas. Christmas morning, uh, Christmas Eve before the tree, we sang Joy to the World, O Little Town of Bethlehem, the first Noel, and up on the rooftop, click, click, click. Christmas morning dawned. I jumped out of my crowded bed. Christmas, even the word rang with joy. I rushed to the fragrance of our tree, eight packages wrapped in newspaper weighted under it, beside the presents we made for Dad and Mama. We had presents after all. I grabbed up the one-marked myrtle, and I tore it to the kitchen. Dad bent over the galvanized iron washbin, splashed water into his cheek, and Mama stirred sliced potatoes in the blackened skillet on the wood stove. I hugged my package, and I favored its mystery, its wonder. With my stomach nearly dropping out of me, my empty stomach nearly dropping out of me, I inched the wrapping off my package. Amongst the crumpled, torn newspaper lay a pencil, long, yellow, and marked Ticonderoga. The pencil was not even sharpened, I owned the full length of a pencil for once in my life, a pencil all my own. Done in rapid calendar from the Hudson Bay Fur Company, Veer, a 1929 license plate last seen nailed to the barn, and Faye, a scrap of pink gingham that would make a dress for her doll, Clay. Percy, an oversized pine cone, and Phyllis, a smoked whitefish. Baby Gardner's present turned out to be sugar tied to a square of white cloth. Most likely, our parents would have been scorned by other. Our presents would have been scorned by other children. But what of that? At school, I could display a story I'd written about with my brand new pencil. I thought it wouldn't hurt to give you a wee bit of something, Dad said, as he picked up a thick white cup with his morning coffee steaming from it. When grown, I pour words into paper and eventually sold them. I believe that gift of a pencil with all my that was all my own, a present from my father who had done all he could for me, opened up a world filled with opportunity. Gosh, that was just beautiful. Thank you, God.
Okay, so there's a, I wanted to read a couple of, and my best friend gave me this little prayer book, and I wanted to read a couple things about losing past, losing loved ones, and um, since this has been going on around here, um, this one was, was entitled, you know, When You've Lost Someone You Love, He Will Swallow Up Death Forever, and the Foreign Lord Will Wipe Away All Tears. He will, the sovereign, oh, I'm sorry, the sovereign Lord will wipe away all tears. He will remove all insults and mockery against his land and people. The Lord has spoken. Isaiah 25, 8. When our dying bodies have been transformed to bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? That was from 1 Corinthians 15, 54. 55, we're not there yet. And then those who doubt, life after death. Those who die in the Lord will live and their bodies will rise again. Those who sleep in the earth will rise up and sing for joy. For their life-giving light will fall like dew upon your people in the place of the dead. God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son. So that, he, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but will have eternal life. And then, when your life seems near, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, anyone who obeys my teaching will never die. And Jesus told her, I am the resurrection of life. Anyone who believes in me will live, even after dying. And then Jesus says, I heard a voice from heaven saying, write this down. Blessed are those who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, they are blessed indeed, for they will rest from their hard work. And for their good deeds, follow them. That's Revelation 14, 13. And I want to thank you so much for once again being with us this morning. Uh, we've had a lot of losses and we've got a lot of joy too because it's brought my family back to me. I've got to be uh, in contact with my cousins and sharing the love we've had since, since we knew each other since babies. And I want to just tell you that thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening in. And now, why don't we do our closing prayer? You know, as we keep in mind, you know, those that are still lost or those that are suffering right now, after a moment of silence. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Please come back next week for our next Bible study and bring your friends. And in closing, may God bless and keep you on his loving arms so that you may have your strength to face whatever is ahead. Remember, you're never alone. I love you and may your best dreams come true and true love live in your heart. You may message me with any concerns or requests for prayers that you need to discuss something. Bye-bye, my friends. God bless you and thanks you for everything. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Oh, <laughs>
Satanás. 